You are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. As with every episode, we start off this one stating that the intended audience for this episode are uh, students and uh, newcomers to the pharmacy informatics field. So today we talk about alert fatigue. So what is alert fatigue? Alert fatigue is a really big issue. Uh, it, it's involved with a lot of electronic health records today. Health records that actually use pop-up notifications as a way to communicate clinical information to the provider. So alert fatigue is when there are too many alerts that trigger that are not that important and this causes the provider or the user to get to the point where they ignore all the alerts. And when an alert that actually matters show up, they miss it and then patient harm can possibly occur. When I talk to students about alert fatigue, I usually compare this to one of two different analogies. And the first one is pretty straightforward. It's basically, you know, the story of the boy who cried wolf. We all know that story. The boy kept crying wolf to get the attention of his family or friends, and there was really no wolf. And when the family and friends started to ignore his cries for wolf, then one day he cried for wolf because there was a real wolf. But the family was conditioned to ignore his cries, and now he's truly in danger. Uh, The other one, the other analogy that I usually tell students is a little bit more modern. It's similar as well. It's, um... I tell students that it's similar to one of your Facebook friends who updates his status uh, constantly, and you keep seeing it on your newsfeed. And then over time, you keep seeing a lot of these non-relevant posts, and you finally just decide to blow past all the posts every every single time you see your friend's name. Then there may be a day where the friend has a party invitation uh, in his status update, which, by the way, I don't know why you would use a status update to invite people, but that's another topic. So the status updates for the the party invitation, it gets ignored by you and you are not aware of the party being existing. So now you are sad that you don't get to go to the party. So where can alert fatigue happen that is related to the pharmacy informatics side? There are many points where this is possible, including, but not limited to, uh, pharmacy production, you know, pharmacy product selection, uh, provider order entry, order set alerts, drug allergy interactions, drug shortage alerts, uh, route and form compatibility alerts, and a few more things that we won't talk about today. Uh, instead, today we'll be focusing on talking about drug-drug interaction alerts. So, drug-drug interactions, how does it work? The drug-drug interaction alerts are uh, usually pulled or cross-referenced in a large databank or re- repository of information. Typically, the electronic health record would cross-check an incoming drug order to a large database to see if there is an interaction present with any of the existing drugs that you know are on the patient's profile. It would then look into the severity level for that interaction. And once it finds it, there is a logic in the system to determine if the interaction is severe enough to create a pop-up alert for the person entering the order. The, um, the provider entry point and clinical decision support that controls alerts uh, needs to be linked to, you know, one of a number of different options for clinical drug databases. Uh, some of these databases of all these drug interactions, they include like Lexicom, Multum, First Databank, Micromedics, and, you know, several others. 
There's no one database that is better than all the others. And sometimes the selection is out of your control. It's, um, it's sometimes limited to cost or contractual obligations with the vendor. So when drug interactions are not filtered correctly, we get alert fatigue and potential patient harm. But what do I mean by filtered? In the electronic health record, different position levels uh, can get configured to receive different alerts uh, based on the severity of the alert. So let's take an extreme example and say you never set up the configurations at all for any of the drug-drug interactions. You leave it as default. And then on the default setting, it's saying that everyone's going to receive all the alerts, meaning the minor, moderate, major, and contraindicated alerts. They're all going to be active. Every time there is an alert, alert like that, it'll pop up for the provider. So when the provider order pharmacists, they order medications, every single little act, interaction that can occur uh, will pop up regardless of how significant it is. Um, this type of uh, extreme example, this is going to be causing major alert fatigue because of the lack of filtering. A filtering example that is recommended at several places that I've worked at is to configure providers uh, like physicians to receive only interactions that are classified as major or higher, like such as contraindicated. And to configure the pharmacist to receive only interactions that are moderate and higher. Um, per the Med Safety Committee at my last employment, this configuration was decided upon because providers need only justification of major interactions and pharmacists need to be aware of moderate interactions for additional uh, patient monitoring. But what if you already have these in place and need additional filtering? So let's talk about a strategy that I adopted at my last employment that helped with uh, further filtering alerts. But before we talk about that, we would need to define the goals. I typically use the acronym of SMART for SMART goals. And the acronym stands for um, S is for specific, M is for measurable, A is for achievable, R is for relevance or realistic, and T is for time bound. So in this case, what is our specific goal? Uh, we want to reduce the amount of alert fatigue by customizing the drug-drug interactions that appear uh, to be as filtered as possible. And is our goal measurable? Yes, we can measure this by doing both a uh, pre-assessment and a post-assessment and pulling reports of uh, alerts that get overwritten. Is this achievable and realistic? Yes, we aren't trying to like move mountains or change the world or anything like that. We're using a stepwise process to slowly filter out non-relevant uh, alerts. And finally, is this time-bound? So what do I mean by time-bound? This basically means, does the goal have a specific timeline in which you will be able to see the results? And for our goal, it's yes, because after several months of implementing, you know, removal of these alerts, we should be able to see a change if there is any. So what are we doing? I'm going to outline a strategy that I've used in the past that showed promise and uh, improvement of relevant alerts, and it resulted in lower uh, alert fatigue. So our team consisted of an informatics pharmacist, which was me, um, the medication safety officer, nursing informatics, and multiple uh, key department heads. And the department heads were there to, you know, we try to get buy-in from all the different departments. And the first thing we did was we had a pre-assessment form that was filled out by 
both the providers and the pharmacists uh, with questions about how they feel about the number of alerts in the system and how much they trust to have it and what are they seeing. We also asked them about any specific interactions that they felt that were popping up too much for them and they want us to take a look at. Um, this is for potential removal. And then also like ones that they don't feel are clinically relevant and would also like to remove. Uh, the next thing that we did was we pulled data. Uh, this was through, you know, a wrapper language for SQL. And we pulled data of all the alerts that was logged in the system that were launched and were visible to the provider and were shown uh, to the order entry personnel. So these alerts were pulled with its associated severity and the medication names that uh, triggered the alert. Once these were pulled, we sorted the report by highest to lowest in terms of the number of times the alert fired. And we also cross-referenced the results of the pre-assessments with the data that we pulled to identify any matches in alerts that were deemed by the personnel as annoying or not relevant. Then at this point, the Medication Error Reduction Improvement Team, um, we had our monthly meeting and this data was presented. The committee decided on a specific threshold value for percentage of alerts overridden. And it was decided that the top 10 overridden interactions would be reviewed again by the committee for severity readjustment or for removal discussion. So this went through, you know, like a um, multi-step review process, bringing it back to certain departments and um, basically finding clinical documentation or support for removal of that alert. And then after that, the committee provided a vote. So once the vote, voting of the committee was uh, decided, the actions of removal or adjustment were made by the team. And in my case, I was the person making the actual changes to the interactions to, you know, increase or decrease severity or remove them from um, being alerted. So our measurable endpoints uh, we looked at were the same ones from our pre-assessment, which included satisfaction, trust, and personally identified annoyance of interactions. We also uh, used percentage overridden for overall alerts as a measurable endpoint. And we defined three months post-change as a reassessment point to determine if this would be successful. The uh, reassessment was performed at a three-month period, and we found that users had an overall higher trust and satisfaction with the system albeit there was still a lot of uh, work needed to be done. The percentage of alerts uh, that were overridden slightly dropped, so we started to see some improvement in alert fatigue. And the strategy was considered a success based on our defined goals. And it warranted an argument to use the same process about every quarter or so as a maintenance for our alert fatigue issue. So that was just like one way that you can uh, help with reducing alert fatigue. And hopefully if you implement this strategy or something similar to it in your facility, then you'll see the results that I was able to see. So in future episodes, we may discuss about other type of methods or for reducing alert fatigue. Um, but anyway, all right. If you like this episode, please rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can follow the podcast on our official Twitter at PharmacyITMe, or you can email us at PharmacyITMe at gmail.com. You can also follow me on my personal Twitter account at TonyDowPharmD. 
And uh, thank you again for listening. And I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And remember, technology is the tool. Patient care is the goal. Oh, 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 oh,